This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. You might assume we're both good at presenting to a live audience because of this podcast. But at the end of the day, when we record, it really feels like we're just talking to one another. Presenting information in person in a formal setting to a large audience is something that still makes us really nervous. To prepare for a live speaking event we're hosting together, we turn to our masterclass subscription to not only refine our presentation skills, but to build our confidence in a different kind of public speaking capacity. Between Robin Roberts, Hillary Clinton, and Kevin Hart's expertise, our confidence skyrocketed. This year, learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Don't just talk about improving. Masterclass helps you actually do it. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors. So whether you want to master negotiate with Chris Voss, think like a boss with Martha Stewart, or plan your dream wedding with celebrity event planner Mindy Wise, Masterclass has you covered. There are over 200 classes to pick from with new classes added every month, like our latest aha moments from Robin Roberts' effective and authentic communication class that we watched before our event presentation. She taught us how to establish a genuine connection with the audience from the start. I'll always be a little nervous before presenting, but Masterclass prepared us in a way that dialed my nerves down and gave me tools to ground myself. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so there's no risk. And right now, our listeners get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Get 50% off right now at masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Welcome to Shrink Chicks. I'm Emily Beerley. And I'm Jennifer Chaikin. And we're licensed marriage and family therapists and owners of the therapy group. We're on a mission to make therapy and therapeutic topics more relatable and accessible. So stay tuned, because in order to grow yourself, you gotta know yourself. We are so excited. We are, first of all, we are huge fangirls. <laughs> we have Dr. Cassidy Freitas here. Um, we love all of your accounts and your community. Please introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about you. Thank you so much, ladies. A huge fan of your work too, and a huge fan of your podcast. And it is truly an honor to be a guest on your podcast. Thank you so much for reaching out and inviting me to come on. Um, so yes, I'm Dr. Cassidy Freitas. I am a licensed marriage and family therapist, and I'm a mama. I've got three kids. My oldest is nine and a half. She's a a for sure pre-tween or just or maybe she's already a tween. I don't know, but we're, we're, I've got my one foot in that stage. And then, uh, my son is six and my youngest, uh, we had a baby this past year during the pandemic. Uh, she's 10 months old. So I've got one foot in postpartum land and one foot in pre-tween land and feeling the stretch with my feet in both lands for sure. I was just going to say, how are you functioning? You know, (laughs) it's, 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 it's wild. Um, it's really wild, but 
um, we have a lot of support. So I'm, as I mentioned, a therapist. I also host the podcast Holding Space. Um, I specialize in peripartum wellness. So everything from fertility to pregnancy, postpartum and beyond, because I think we're always postpartum. We're all, after you've had a baby, you're postpartum. You've had, <laughs> you're post that period of time, that moment, and now you're parenting. And so I just, I really love working with new parents. I'm so passionate about it. I think that it's such a unique period of time where, you know, it can feel like everything falls apart maybe for some of us and all your pieces are on the front and it's just an opportunity to kind of begin to rebuild things. And there's so much vulnerability in that period, but so much room, I think, to, to grow and to heal and to reconnect with ourselves and with others. And so I just, I love that season of life um, as grueling and as hard as it can be for, for, it was for me. And as I know it can be for so many. Well, and I also have to say, cause I know we have a lot of clinicians that listen to this podcast is that you, they have to join the holding space for therapists community because you put up so much helpful content about growing a private practice and what's your why and all of that amazing stuff. So if you are a clinician, you have to join, um, Dr. Cassidy's, um, holding space for therapists. And you just had, um, uh, doors open for your e-course too, yes, right? Yes, yes, yes. I, sometimes I, I, I don't know who's in the audience. So I speak to just <laughs> one part of my passions, but no, I'm equally as passionate about supporting therapists who are building and growing modern private practices. And so, you know, there, these are the therapists who want to see clients, but they also want to do more. They want to host workshops. They want to get on social media. They want to diversify their income. They want to spread the news and want to expand their reach. And um, I am so passionate about supporting therapists. So yes, I have an Instagram account, Holding Space for Therapists, a podcast. I have two podcasts. So I've holding space. And then I have holding space for therapists, the podcast. And then, um, yes, I have digital courses too, where I offer the roadmap that I definitely did not have when I first started off because none of this modern marketing and all of that, none of this business stuff was covered no. in all of our training as therapists. And so <laughs> I wanted a roadmap and a community that I could connect with, um, as I was kind of branching out and doing different things and, and also just like establishing like the nuts and bolts of my business. And so I went ahead and put that together. Um, and I have a course called the crafted practice and then the established therapist toolkit, I also have a podcasting for therapists course for therapists who are tuning in and they're like, you know, I think I could do this too. And I've got something to say. And, um, you're somebody who loves to talk things out. <laughs> like for me, I was like, I had a blog at first and I'm like, I would stare at this blank cursor and this blank screen. And I was like, uh, -uh this is not the best <laughs> way that I connect or communicate. Like I just need to talk and be in dialogue. And so I started a podcast. So I created a little course for that too, where I walk you through all the things. Um, cause I do all my editing, all my marketing, all my monetizing, all on my own. Um, and I wanted to support other therapists who wanted to do that too and didn't have a huge budget, um, but they wanted to start a podcast. So yeah, that, that, all that too. I love, I love wow. working with therapists. So you're really tired. Yeah, I was just, I was literally thinking. <laughs> yeah. You know, I am actually quite tired. Um, and, and, and because I'm been, so, so this past month was crazy. I launched my first product. So I have, um, uh, a feelings 
or deck. Um, I opened the doors to my course, like you mentioned, for therapists. I was a keynote speaker at Simple Summit, which is um, simple practice. They do a lot of like the teletherapy hosting and note keeping for therapists. Um, and what else? I did, there were a few things in there and I'm, I'm super tired. So I'm actually taking a huge social media break. Like I'm literally gonna, po- I'm gonna post this soon. I'm just gonna like get off the app and I'm gonna not let Instagram run my life. I'm not gonna be scared of it. I'm just gonna take a break, set some boundaries. I'm a people pleaser and I'm setting some boundaries with the digital space. And I'm going to like take a few weeks off while the kids are finished. They're, they're finishing school today, the last day of school. So I'm going to be, they're going to be on summer break. We're going to be traveling a little bit. And I just want to not have this little app constantly dinging at me and have that pressure of showing up. I love showing up, but I know if I want to show up in a way that's going to be authentic in a way that's going to be really meaningful, I have to set boundaries with it too. And I've got to regroup and refresh. So uh, starting next week, I'm getting off Instagram for a couple of weeks. Woo. That is amazing. Also, what a beautiful segue. Yes. <laughs> our topic today. You really set us up for that. You did. Thank you. I, you know, I am I have a podcast of my own. I know how to do this. Yeah, that we appreciate that. Yes, we... we... <laughs> today we are talking about people pleasing because we saw a post of yours. A, a hilarious reel. A hilarious reel. And it really resonated with the both of us, of course, because we are both currently in recovery for people pleasing. That's what we call it. Yes. You, you are recovering people pleasers. I'm a recovering people pleaser perfectionist and I'm a striving good enough. So, Oh yes, that's good. That is good. So let's talk about, I want to hear a little bit about like your thoughts around people pleasing, how people pleasing has showed up in your life. How do you think it's affected you the ways that it's helpful versus uh, detrimental? Like, tell us all about it. Yeah. Okay. People pleasing. So back, back on the day that I was born, I mean, I'm kind of kidding, kind of not. Um, So I, cause no, truly I was born and um, my dad love him. Like this is a man who believes that I could literally do anything because he had a sign made and the sign said, welcome home, future first woman president. Cassidy Riley, that Riley's my maiden name. And that's set, that's setting the bar high. I mean, you know, is I, I was still in diapers. I was a newborn. <laughs> I didn't even know. I mean, so I don't have a, I don't remember this obviously, but this was a story that was shared and there's photos and, you know, this, this kind of speaks to the fact that I, I grew up with a lot of pressure. And it, the, you know, sometimes there's different families and different ways that parents might navigate putting, having children that feel a lot of pressure. And for my parents, there was a lot of pride, but there was pride. And I wanted to keep that pride up. I wanted my parents, I wanted to make them happy. Like I was pretty good at school and I got pretty good grades and my parents bragged about that. And they, like, they would introduce me to people and they would just go off and on about all the things that I was amazing at. And I internalized this sense of, you know, in order for like me to make 
to keep you feeling happy and proud and have all and have something to share with all these people because you seem so happy when you're talking about this. Um, I've got to live up to this. I've got to keep it going. And you know, I think that that kind of started my trajectory of really looking outward to see what others needed from me to make them feel feelings like pride, joy, happiness. Um, and I think that if, you know, and not only was it from just the context of, you know, my beautiful, lovely parents who were just so proud, um, but also as a woman, you know, I think that, you know, it's, the gender discourses are like in the air that we breathe. It's really hard to escape it. It's everywhere. And, you know, I think that everywhere you go as a, as a young girl, and then as a woman, um, as someone who identifies as a girl and, and identifies as a woman, the messages are just pervasive that as a woman, our job is to make sure, is to take care of those around us. And, that has a way of slipping into the ways in which we do or do not set boundaries, which I know we're going to talk about, and the ways in which we put others' others' needs before ourselves, the ways in which we want to please others and be a good girl. And that is a really heavy burden to carry, um, so much so that it keeps us small. And I think that that's patriarchy's goal, I think, is to keep us small and to keep us putting others' needs in front of our own um, because it keeps us small and quiet. And I, and you know, and it's interesting because of course that's not, that's not what my dad wanted. And he wanted me to be the future first woman president. Like my dad's like smashed the patriarchy. But um, I think the way in which, you know, the pressure in, in conjunction with just the context of being a woman and what the messages you receive and courses that I'm going to receive everywhere. Um, it just, oh, it definitely led to a lot of people pleasing tendencies for myself. And I know that lots of women can probably relate to that. Absolutely. And I think so often too, you know, as we're socialized as women to focus on the needs of others and we grow up that way. Um, Sometimes we don't even know what our needs are because we have been so focused on what other people want from us. And it's so funny. We are three therapists, right? We all became therapists. (laughs) Talking about this topic. I was thinking about it while you were talking. Like all of us became therapists for a reason, right? I mean, I'm sure there's a million other reasons, but like we picked a career where it's so easy to feel responsible for other people's happiness. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. This is a thing. This is a thing. You know, I think that, you know, and I think that that's why that's one of the reasons I'm so passionate working with other therapists too, is that I think that, and that's why it's literally called holding space for therapists, right? My podcast, my social media account, like it's because we need space held for us too. And so oftentimes we came into this work because we were told by our friends or family or communities that we were really good listeners. We were really helpful. We um, were really in tune with, we were really empathic, really in tune with the feelings of others, right? Um, but sometimes, sometimes it's harder for us to hold space for ourselves in the room, right? Or yeah. in the relationship. Absolutely. And, and I think 
you know, that's where number one, really knowing what our needs are. And then in understanding what those needs are, also being able to communicate them to others and set boundaries for ourselves is mm. another, you know, mountain to climb when you're someone who has been being praised, you know, our whole lives about, okay, you're so great because you're helpful to someone else, or like, you're so great mm -hmm. because you're good at listening and you're helping. Um, and so that's a big thing we want to jump into is how do we first know what our needs are when we've spent so much time thinking about the needs of others? And then number two, how do we communicate those needs and set boundaries around them when we have always been praised for taking care of other people? Anyone else feeling like the mental load of making dinner, the planning, the shopping, the prep, figuring out the timing? It's a little heavy to carry, huh? Same. That's why I am so grateful for Hungry Root. The food quality, simple recipes, true tastiness, and delivery right to my door is truly a game changer. When getting started, you take a fun, short quiz and Hungry Root will get to know you, what you like to eat, and more. Then they'll build you a personalized cart with all your grocery needs for the week and give you delicious recipe recommendations to put those groceries to use. So you can sit back, relax, and offload the many steps of meal planning. Each order is fully customizable, so you can take their suggestions or choose anything you want. They've got fresh produce, high-quality meat and seafood, healthy snacks, smoothies, sweets, ready meals, kids' snacks and meals, vitamins, supplements, much more. My favorite item from my latest box was the honey citrus chopped salad, lemon pepper chicken, and the four cheese tortellini. You gotta try it for yourself. Everything from Hungry Root follows a simple standard. It's gotta taste good, be quick to make, and contain whole trusted ingredients. Right now, Hungry Root is offering Shrink Chicks listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to HungryRoot.com slash ShrinkChicks to get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's HungryRoot.com slash ShrinkChicks. Don't forget to use our link so they know we sent you. I am thrilled that the weather is finally warming up here in Philly. I went to switch out my closet the other day from my fall winter wear to my spring summer wear and noticed that I very much needed a refresh. So thank goodness for Quince that allows me to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. Now I have a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. I refresh my closet with the high-waisted linen shorts that come in multiple colors and patterns, the comfiest cotton tees, and my latest favorite, the smocked mini dress. And don't miss out on the accessories. Quince has the coolest sunglasses and 14 karat gold jewelry to complete any look. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, making me feel even better about my purchases. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash shrinkchicks for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash shrinkchicks to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash shrinkchicks. So Dr. Cassidy, I'm wondering, 
you know, I think for a lot of us, people pleasing is beneficial for a lot of ways, right? It, it often gets you invited to the, the sleepovers <laughs> and it gets you, right? Like, you know, you get your ended up teachers like you, right? Like there's certain things that it makes your life easier. But I think all of us start to have these pivotal moments where it's like, whoa, this is detrimental, right? Like this is not working. Something has a shift. And I'm wondering about that process for you. And at what point in your life you started to realize like, oh, wait, this isn't so great. (laughs) Oh, so you mentioned panic attacks. That's a nice segue (laughs) into what I'm about to share. (laughs) Yeah. So, well, first, okay, first you taught you, like you just mentioned the like sleepover thing, right? Like. If I'm likable, if I put others' needs before my own, people are going to like me, right? Because that's going to be make the relationship pretty easy going. And I'm probably going to be included. I'm probably going to be invited to the sleepovers. And uh, like just it's so, as you were talking about that, my, you know how our brain will just quickly make connections. I like very quickly went like started thinking about my daughter um and just how mm. she already has some of those she has some of those tendencies and so i'm just putting a little a little bookmark in that for myself to just kind of come back to her and and and, t- and start talking about these things even more because i i see that in her and and i think that for me when i was little i I struggled with friendships. Um, there were like, I was, I was bullied a little bit in elementary school. I shouldn't minimize that. There was bullying that happened in elementary school and I really wanted to be accepted and to be included. Um, I went to a school where the primary, like most students at that school, their first language was Spanish. Um, and I was not, I'm, I'm half Mexican, but I'm not Spanish speaking. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm somebody who walks the world as a white woman. And so in many cases in my life, I've held a lot of privilege for that reason. But as a young child, I felt like I wasn't, I didn't belong. And that and belonging is just such an important thing. And so I found a way to belong was to just put others' needs before my own. And this is on top of, you know, also wanting to be really perfect at school um, and to give my parents things to be proud of. And all of that pressure of, you know, really wanting to belong, wanting to, you know, keep friendships, maintain friendships, um, have people to call friends, to be included and invited to things. Um, Gosh, all of that culminated into a moment in college I think I was taking, I was pre-med at the time because I thought I was going to become a doctor um, at the time until I realized I was, you you know. You did become a doctor. I did. Okay. Yes. You're right. I became, I did become a doctor. I wanted to become a medical doctor. I was Don't discredit your doctorism. You go girl. Doctorism. Yes. (laughs) Yes. I was pre-med at the time. I was taking like organic chemistry. And I was like, oh no, you know, I don't think this is actually the right path. But I think I was, I was going to, I was getting like a B in the class. And this is going to sound ridiculous to some, but like for me, the level of pressure that I had put on myself to have perfect grades, which is straight A's, nothing less. Um, On top of, you know, just 
the pressure of being college aged and like all of the belonging and the sororities and the like being included and just all of that stuff. It culminated where actually when I got a grade back and it was less than an A, I had panic like symptoms um, to the point where my roommate had to take me to the hospital and mm. I um, went to the doctor. They prescribed Xanax. Like it got to the point where I was needing Xanax just to sleep. Um, I don't think I've ever shared, I, I've never shared this part of that story, the story before, but it got to the point where I needed Xanax just to like get through the day um, because there was so much anxiety. And I knew it got to a point where as I was, and it's funny because I was also like, you know, in psychology classes and then, um, you know, wanting to become a therapist. So I'm learning all of this stuff about the brain and about mental health and um, also taking courses that brought in luckily like social contexts and feminism. And like, there's something going on here. <laughs> I I think that I need to get some support around this. And so I did. And that even brought me even more to the place of knowing that this was the field I wanted to get into because I saw how helpful it was firsthand. And, you know, I think that the people pleasing part got, it was, I started to see that like, I was so much more than my accolades and um, that imperfection, I started to really embrace more good enough, being a good enoughist instead of perfectionist. But the boundaries that became, that still, that was still really tricky into later adulthood. I think especially becoming a, a, a mom, I was 26 um, when we had our first and boundaries and people pleasing was still, was really, really showed up as a parent. Um, and gosh, that could be one of the biggest struggles that I see clients struggling with too, because if there's, if there were struggles around boundaries before you became a parent, becoming a parent is going to put so much intensity and pressure around these little pain points or issues um, in these relationships. It's going to really show up there. So I really struggled with navigating friendships. I was one of the first of my friends to have a baby. It was really hard to navigate friendships in the beginning because I think a lot of my friends really used to me showing up for them in a way and in a capacity that I was no longer able to do. My priorities had also shifted and people were used to me putting them first. This was also a struggle for me and my partner. And so all of a sudden my attention and my capacity has shifted um, and people that had expected me to show up in the relationship in a certain way were no longer getting me in that way. And that there was a lot of growing pain there for relationships um, and around boundaries. And I'm and now in working with moms, you know, that first postpartum became the muse from the work for the work that I do now. I did not specialize in postpartum at the time, but there was so much that happened related to that experience that I then, once we healed, um, once those wounds kind of became scars and we had healed, that's when I kind of stepped into really building out my specialization to support folks, women, parents, who are navigating that time in their life because I think that it does have this way, like I said earlier, of 
breaking you apart and all your pieces are on the floor. And as I was putting them back together, I picked up my people pleasing part. And I was like, I don't think this is going to work anymore. And I don't think that this is something that I want my daughter because I had a daughter. Um, I don't think this is something that I want my daughter to adopt too. So this is a piece that I need that is needs to evolve and needs to shift. Um, and and so it, it did. And so I did the work to, and gosh, and it's still work, right? Like that part of me still is there and she pops up in the back seat once in a while. Um, but I recognize that this part of me is there and I've built a new relationship with this part where I stay in the driver's seat and I have compassion for that part of me because this part of me has been there since I was really little and gosh, she's been through a lot. And I understand and have so much compassion for some of the things that she's experienced, but this part of me doesn't get to drive the car. Like I'm going to stay in the driver's seat now. A really fun fact about me that you might not know is that if I let my hair dry natural, it is a frizzball mess, which is one of the many reasons I absolutely love pros. I truly never thought that I would be able to embrace my natural hair texture. Ever since I switched to a custom hair routine with pros, I've noticed so many benefits. Less frizzy hair, yes, but beyond that too. My hair is shinier, healthier, and so much more manageable. Filming the podcast every week makes checking out my hair unavoidable, and I have felt so much more confident on camera thanks to pros. Pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do. The custom shampoo and conditioner combo, plus the hydrating leave-in conditioner and hair oil keeps the frizz at bay. It also makes for the smoothest blowout. People keep asking me if I got my hair cut or went to the salon, which is of course the highest compliment. Pros isn't just better for you. It's better for the planet. They're certified B Corp cruelty free and the first and only carbon neutral custom beauty brand. They even have a review and refine tool, which learns from my feedback and adjusts my formula to keep up with the seasons and changes in my life. I use this feature when I moved to my temporary house in New Jersey, back to my house house post construction project in Pennsylvania. Environmental factors like water source is something that pros takes into consideration with their customization. So it was very cool that I had the ability to update my location. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin, and they're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash chicks. So you get a free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash chicks. That's P-R-O-S-E.com slash chicks. Did you know that billions of plastic hand soap and cleaning bottles end up in landfills every year? I used to contribute to that waste, constantly buying single-use plastic cleaning products without giving it much thought. But then I discovered Blue Land, and it has been a game changer. Blue Land has helped me eliminate the need for single-use plastic and the products I reach for the most. They are reinventing cleaning essentials. Their approach is simple yet revolutionary. Refillable cleaning products with a sleek design that not only looks great on your counter, but also reduces plastic waste significantly. What I love most is the convenience. With Blueland, I never worry about running out of cleaning supplies or lugging bulky bottles from the store. From hand soap to toilet bowl cleaner to laundry tablets that each smell incredible, all Blueland products are made with clean ingredients you can feel good about. I was blown away when I received my first Blueland order. I immediately filled the bottles with water and their tablets, which was so easy to try everything out. And the ingredients are clean, the scents are refreshing, and the packaging is just so cute. Blueland is trusted in over 1 million homes, including mine. If 
you're ready to make a positive change for the planet without sacrificing cleanliness or convenience, Blueland has you covered. Blueland has a special offer for our listeners. Right now, get 15% off your first order by going to blueland.com slash shrinkchicks. You won't want to miss this. Blueland.com slash shrinkchicks for 15% off. That's blueland.com slash shrinkchicks to get 15% off. I could imagine that so many people listening to this who are like, oh, wow, like I, I'm a people pleaser. And how, how do I, you know, first go about changing that or starting to change that in my relationships? So I want to know, like, when you first, you know, gave birth to your daughter and your relationships with your friends um, had to change, how did you go about that? Like, how did you manage that? What did those conversations look like? Oh, it was super messy. <laughs> it was super messy. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Let me think. I mean, some of these, there's, there's some parts of these relationships and these experiences that I really just want to honor and hold sacred for those relationships. But it was really messy. And I, so to kind of just speak to some of the theme points that came up. I think the first thing that happened was becoming a mother like really transformed me in the sense that I, that it's like that mama bear, like that, that protective piece, especially towards the end of pregnancy in the very beginning, just really shocking to me how powerful that felt. Like I, it took me a while to really feel connected to my baby. Like that, that part is part of my story, but the, the, the desire to like, protect, like have boundaries and protect her and my relation and, and us was really strong, like mama bear status. And so in the very beginning, when I had friends and people who were used to me, um, showing up for them in a certain way, experienced me not doing that and called me out on it, mama bear came out and it was, it came out angry and this was not something like anger was not something that people were used to seeing me express right in these relationships and so it was a shock to these relationships um really messy really painful and it took time for me to really have things settle down to understand why I was so angry so uh, you, your question was so like what does this work look like and so part of the work was slowing down enough to honor and recognize what parts of me, my emotions, my people pleasing part, like what parts of me are showing up, being able to name these parts of me. So instead of just like raging at everyone around me, like, and sending you know, mean text messages and like closing the doors on relationships, like to slow down enough to be like, whoa, 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 what's happening here? What is this? all right, this feels like anger because anger tends to kind of show up in this like fiery way for me. And so first being able to kind of name that and label that. Um, and I think anger is definitely a really important emotion as it relates to boundaries too. To be able to name it and label it allows me to slow down enough also to then honor like what is around anger? Why is this anger showing up? 
anger has different roles. Anger can show up in a secondary role, sometimes to protect something that's a little bit more vulnerable. And I think that in some cases that was happening here, um, I was feeling really vulnerable as a new mom. Um, and I didn't have the capacity to, in that vulnerability, I didn't have the capacity to take care of others like I had before, because I was taking care of a new baby and trying to, trying to take care of myself. So anger was showing up in that way to kind of protect this part of me that felt really vulnerable. But also anger has core jobs too. Anger can offer us data that there is a boundary here that might need to be set. Anger is an emotion that can help us put boundaries in place. It can give us the energy and the um to take action, to protect ourselves if maybe something there's we're feeling violated in some way um, or there's a threat, but also to set really important boundaries. And one of my favorite definitions of boundaries is from um, someone that I, writer, um, and I also follow on Instagram, um, Prentice Hempill. And Prentice says about boundaries that boundaries are the distance at which I can love you and me simultaneously. Mm. And that was something that I hadn't been doing, right? Like, but it's the distance. And so sometimes that distance, sometimes that boundary between you and me needs to actually grow a little bit more. I need some boundaries with you or with this thing or with this person or with my job, whatever the case may be, because it is as the way that it's set up right now, I cannot love me while also giving to you simultaneously. And in order for me to show up for anybody. I need to love me first. I need to pour into myself first. And that goes for partner relationship, my job, my clients. And so for me, a lot of the unraveling was in being able to honor, acknowledge there's a lot of feelings coming up right now. And I need to slow down enough to like kind of identify what they are and what, what data these emotions, what are emotions? I really believe that emotions are wired for them. They're there to offer us data. What data are these emotions here to offer me? Is there any, is there what's in here is helpful? What in here is not so helpful and do the work of being able to re regulate my, my emotions so that they're coming along for the ride, but I'm still in the driver's seat. And I can take the data that my emotions are offering me, like anger saying, hey, I think a boundary needs to be set here, and then take steps to set those boundaries. And the way in which I'm going to know if the boundary is, is right is if I, for me, it, it feels like there's enough distance there that I can love me and whatever this person is or this thing is that I'm setting the boundary with. If I can love both of us simultaneously, there, I might, there might need to be some more distance there because I need mm -hmm. to love myself in order for me to pour in to somebody else you know I first of all what a great definition I love that I love you talking about that I'm really happy that you talked about like how messy this is right I think that I think boundaries have gotten this rep that it should be like perfect and it should be one time and it should be that you know exactly what to say and for most of us it is very messy in the communication because there is a lot of context around going what sets up boundaries. You're thinking about yourself, someone else's emotions. And I think it's important for us to talk about that. Like you can have mess, you can have boundaries. It can be messy and it could still be good. Right. Like I think that there's sometimes this feeling that like, if I set a boundary and someone else gets upset, that means I was wrong. But that doesn't mean that you were wrong. 
it means that they got upset. People are allowed to get upset. But as a people pleaser, you hate the idea of someone being upset with you. Oh my gosh, 100%. It like challenges your identity, right? Like your identity of, oh, I'm a people pleaser. I give to others when you're setting this boundary. But as we know, like we're all, you know, LMFTs that (laughs) when you change, when you change the dynamic in a relationship, the, the whole dynamic changes, right? Like when you change something in the relationship, the whole dynamic has to change. And yeah. so it, it, of course, the, the person who maybe you weren't setting boundaries with in the past, and you now need to change that and set your boundaries differently, there might be a reaction to it, right? And so if they're so used to you giving and giving and giving, and all of a sudden you're like, listen, you know, because of this big change in my life, I can no longer give to you like I once was able to give to you, um, that there might be some reaction there. But to be able to communicate through that, to be able to continue Mm -hmm. to build on the relationship um, and really just grow together, whether it's in your friendships and your relationships and, you know, in your familial relationships, um, I think is so, so important. And I also really love what you said about the the quote and I'm going to botch it if I even try to re, you know repeat it but that it's loving myself and loving you at the same time but because I think a lot of people think about boundaries as oh I'm putting up a wall yeah right like I'm, I'm selfish right I'm selfish or like I'm, I'm completely mm-hmm. separating myself so I just wanted to mention mm-hmm. like I really love that because it it defines the fact that like boundaries boundaries are healthy in a way where you're able to love yourself and love the other person. It doesn't mean you're shut. Yes. And sometimes a brick wall is called for, right? Like there are different, ty- like th- there are some relationships where it's like, you know, um, it's, it's really interesting. I had this sort of like visual come up for me in my own work. I was doing EMDR, um, having it done on me um, to process my traumatic birth years ago. And when I was doing this work, this like visual came to me and I, of, of boundaries because, Hey, as I'm doing this work, of course, my people pleasing stuff is going to come up and boundaries is going to come up. And I had this visual of for a certain relationship that at that time, what was called for was a brick wall. And eventually though, um, for that particular relationship, that brick wall eventually could turn into a window. And then slowly this relationship, some relationships just stay at the brick wall. Some might just stay at that like, you know, um, window where I can see you, but there's still glass in between us. And then, but for some, and for this one, it turned into a relationship where what's between us is like this, a curtain where like I, there's still, there's still boundaries there, but I can, I have enough I feel safe enough now to move in closer that I can touch you, that I can be that close to you, but there's still a boundary there. Mm. And so, yeah, I think that boundaries, you know, have this idea that it's um, selfish or that it's all or nothing. And no, like let's debunk that right now, right? Like boundaries can be one of the most beautiful things that you can do for you and for the other person sometimes, right? Like sometimes we set up boundaries and actually the healthiest thing that you could have for that person, um, depending on the context. 
aspects of the situation um, and for yourself. And so, yeah, boundaries are, are not always selfish, right? Um, and are not all or nothing. It's, there's, there's fluidity there. There's so many different shades of boundaries that can show up. Um, and another, another really important thing here that, that you're kind of touching on is, you know, our responsibility, this responsibility we feel to manage the feelings of others. And I think as, um, women as helpers, as therapists, like it's makes it, that can definitely show up often. And, you know, one, uh, this is another quote, um, from a colleague of mine, uh, Dr. Becky, um, Kennedy, um, she runs the podcast, um, good inside. And one of the things that she talks about that I really appreciate around boundaries is that when it comes to boundaries, the only person you have to convince yourself, convince is yourself first, right? Like we have to convince ourselves that the boundary feels good and right. And then if we set it, if the feelings of the people around us get all dysregulated um, or have resistance to the boundary, if we feel sturdy, Dr. Becky uses that word a lot. If we use, if we feel sturdy in the boundary that we set, because we convinced ourselves first that this was an important boundary, whether it has to do with a friendship, whether it has to do with screen time with your kid, right? Like if you can, if you're, if you are convinced first yourself and you feel sturdy in that decision, solid in that decision, then how the people around you feel about that is not our responsibility, right? It's not my job to make my child happy all the time, for instance. Like, I think that we could all, well, I don't know, maybe some people might say that they get caught up in that belief, but it's not my job to make those around me happy. I, they, they get to decide how they feel, right? Just like I get to decide how I feel. And what's cool in parenting is that we can support our kids in learning to regulate their feelings through co-regulation. If I regulate myself, I'm in a better position to support my children in these teaching moments. But when it comes to boundaries, the only person we have to convince is ourselves and feeling solid in that. And there's, there's so there's, it's, we have to be able to consider our own feelings and what we need before we can consider what others need, because that's the only way that we're going to be able to pour into anything in our lives. Okay. Before we get to our final question, we have to do calling bullshit, <laughs> which is right. Calling BS. So let's do it. So when we have a guest on the show, we ask them to call out something do some type of myth busting. So, Dr. Cassidy, let's call some bullshit. I totally gave it away. I knew you were, were going to ask me this, and I literally just said it. I was holding okay, on to it. And I it. Just, you can re-say it. We'll, we'll take it. It'll be like an episode. <laughs> I gave it away. I was calling. I was calling BS on the fact that we, like, it is our responsibility to manage the feelings of the people we love and the people that are around us, whether it's our friends, our children, our partners, we care deeply about these people, but it is not our job to control what it is that they feel, um, to manage their feelings. Um, because when we do, when we think that that's our job, for me, that's when it slips into people pleasing. That's when my boundaries start to slip for something like I said, screen time before, like even with screen time yesterday, I set a boundary with my, 
with my six-year-old son. Um, I warned him beforehand, buddy, remember, it's not going to feel good. We're about to end and it's never going to feel like enough, but we're ending in, you know, in a couple of minutes. And he's like, got it, got it, mom. We ended it. Like he screamed meltdown status. And there's, it's other stuff too. It's the end of the school year, but like he was melting down for like 40 minutes probably like, and he knows like, and the reason he knows is because I've left, I've let loose on these boundaries before. Like he knows if I just keep like, if I just keep bugging her, she's probably going to say fine, five more minutes, you know, like just so I could like finish an email or something, or I don't know, like take care of the baby. And I kept just reminding myself through all of it. He's so unhappy right now. And I don't like seeing him unhappy. Like it's so funny. He literally said, he's like, mom, you know that I'll be happier if you just give me more minutes. And I was like, I was like, Ooh, he's buddy. It's like, yeah. I was like, buddy, I hear you. I, I feel it. And, and like, you're so upset. And you know what, if some, when, when, when I have to get off my phone, like sometimes I'm really upset too, <laughs> but like this, it, I just kept remind my, remind myself in that moment. It is not like, it is not my job to just to manage, to make him happy in this moment. Like he, he gets to just feel his feelings right now. And if I just give, if I just give him the screen, if I like try to distract him from his feelings, like that's not honoring the fact that like, he just has really big feelings about this and like he gets to, you know, and it's not my job to, it's my job as a parent is to support him in learning how to regulate through co-regulation by regulating myself first. And so I regulated myself first. I breathed. I reminded myself it's not, I don't, it's like, he's super upset and I don't need to just give this to him and break this boundary just to make him happy in this moment, (laughs) even though it probably would have felt easy in that moment, but it would have made things harder later on down the line. Um, And just, and then it held the boundary. And that's going to, and that was an important boundary for me because I convinced myself first that it was important. So I'm calling BS on the fact that it is our job as women, as mothers, as humans to, you know, control how other people feel and to make other people happy. Amazing. (laughs) I love that so much. And what a gift you're giving to your son, you know, for him Mm -hmm. to be able to learn to regulate those emotions mm-hmm. and a gift to his possible future partner. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> yes. So, um, before we end for today, I'm wondering, I'm sure there's a lot of people that are listening to this who are like, man, this is me. I relate to this hundred percent, but like, where do I even start? Like, where would you say, like, what words of wisdom for you have for people that are just starting out in this journey? Well, my friend Nedra just wrote an amazing book and she sent it to me. I just finished it and it is like game changing. So um, I, I, I don't have it right in front of me, but it's set boundaries, find peace. It's something around boundaries and peace. Um, I'll be sure to send you a link to that. Yes, good. We'll link it. We'll link it on social media. Yeah. Um, and so, and, and then on, honestly, I think that a lot of times when it comes to just like the story that I shared, my, my personal story, like there's a lot of luggage, right. Around our baggage, however you want to look at it, um, that we bring along for our journey as it relates to boundaries and people pleasing, and it can show up in parenting for sure. And for me, I really had to take the step to get support, to understand the history of that, to understand the context, because as soon as I did, it was so much easier for me to have compassion for that part of me when it does show up. Um, you know, I, I think that 
if I, now that I know that this part of me has been there since I was really little, um, when this part shows up, I'm able to honor that, that all that is coming forward. All of that is there. And doing that work in the context of therapy was really powerful for me. Um, I also have a podcast episode all about boundaries with my friend Vienna Ferrone. Um, she's on social media as at Mindful MFT. Um, she's got a huge community over there. So folks probably are know of her work. And she's I really love her perspective on boundaries too. So we have a great episode on um, my Holding Space podcast, all about boundaries too. And I'll send you the link to that as well. Wonderful. So where can people find you and all of your offerings and resources? Yeah. So I'm, I'm hanging out on Instagram as at Dr. Cassidy, um, and holding space for therapists. And I have my podcast holding space and holding space for therapists. Amazing. Thank you for being here today. It was such a blast to hang out with you this afternoon. If you found this episode today helpful for yourself or for someone else, make sure to send it out. You can always rate, review, and subscribe. And we'll see you next time on Treat Chicks. Oh, 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 oh